We are creatures of desire. What we most desire is meaning. What makes us suffer most is a lack of meaning. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Marital therapist, author, and communications trainer Andrew G. Marshall invites guests from all walks of life to discuss what makes life meaningful. Hello, I'm Andrew G. Marshall, and welcome to The Meaningful Life. If you're feeling stuck and not certain how to approach an important problem in your life, I have an unusual way forward on the podcast today. Ask your dreams. I don't mean your aspirations or hopes for the future, but the nightly dramas that play out while you are asleep. My witness today is Machiel Klerk, who is a licensed mental health therapist and founder of the Jung Platform, an online educational space with courses and lectures from leading teachers like James Hollis and Lisa Marciano, who've been witnesses on this podcast too. He is also the author of Dream Guidance, Connecting to the Soul Through Dream Incubation. Well, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for being my witness today. How did you get interested in dreams? Well, first of all, Andrew, thank you for having me. It's a joy to be with you. The question on how I got interested in dreams really started in my early 20s. Before I have had dreams and I, I, I was somehow drawn to dreams, but in my early 20s, I had come into a, a dead end in my uh, in my journey through life or I was in a pit. I hadn't dealt well with the grief of the loss of my father who died when I was 10 and my family and my culture and myself weren't really good at dealing with heartbreak and, and grief and loss. That combined with uh, a lack of imagination of the future. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I was just uh, stuck and I was sitting on the couch doing nothing most of the time which added to a certain sense of depression. And by some fortunate chance, I stumbled upon the works of Carl Jung. And I started reading this and it broke open my worldview. Ideas of synchronicity were were placed in it, but especially he wrote uh, extensively about dreams. And then I started to apply it to my own dreams and I got a kind of a, a way of seeing where I was in life, how I got stuck, but especially how I could get out of it and how there were dream figures that were portraying future potential. And by aligning with them, I had a threat to climb out of the pit into the world again. And life became so much more interesting and colorful. And that is where my connection with dreams uh, started. And I've been holding on to that uh, ever since. So how did the dreams help you with the grief of your father dying when you were 10? In multiple ways. It was kind of a process. One of uh, the ways was uh, it started to show that uh, in dreams, it appears that uh, life doesn't end at the end of the journey. Dreams portray themselves as if life goes on. And so I started to meet ancestors in my dream that I had an impression that they were uh, real visitations from the beyond. And just that part to break through from a life where I was not sure what would happen after death. It was really literally black could be anything, could be nothing, could be something. There was some inclination that probably something till an experience that, oh, there, my own father started visiting me in dreams and having this connection that he was still there. And that was so tremendously healing. So that was one really big thing. And out of that other 
elements come as well as if you die, what would then be the purpose or meaning of life? And what would be criteria in that transition? What would be important for you uh, to bring with you? And so I started thinking and pondering about that and looking at what dreams had to say. And dreams themselves started to show that life, as it appears to continue, how life is just the other side of the coin of death and that life and death are coexisting and just uh, through a thin veil are divided, but at the same time also interconnected. And then the the symbol of this yin-yang symbol came in dreams showing that uh, they're interconnected and that they're part of the same stream of consciousness. And those things really, really changed my life for me. And although dream incubation, asking your dreams for help, is a sort of a fairly new idea to a lot of people listening today, it's something that goes right back to the Greeks. It's been used in all cultures. Shamans in Africa use it. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the background of all of this. Yeah, dream incubation is indeed what you say. It's a, it's a technique in which you ask your dream before you go to sleep a question in order to have a helpful response to whatever it is that is on your, in your heart or on your mind. And uh, in exploring this, I noticed that the first recording of a dream is in Gilgamesh. And in that Gilgamesh story, it was also Gilgamesh who asked the sun god for a response to some question he had. So even the first dream recording is a dream incubation. And then exploring extensively spiritual traditions and religious traditions from Islam to Hinduism, they all have noticed somewhere along the way that you can ask the dream or maybe God that speaks through the dream or the Tao that communicates in dream a question in which it appears that the universe or God or some larger awareness seems to respond and responds in a dream is indeed in the, in the Greek tradition that you just referred to, where it was especially used for healing. People would go to the temple of Asclepius, go through a whole ritual to have a, uh, a healing dream. And uh, it comes back in, uh, in, in all cultures around the world And even uh, Harvard uh, University uh, did a study on it and noticed that uh, if you ask specific questions, that the dream indeed seems to respond. And so what we're going to be doing today is sort of looking at the ritual, which is that you've designed, which is based on the idea of the ancient Greek uh, ritual. You don't have to travel all the way to Greece. You can do it in your own home. But you say that the dream wants to help us. So... Why does the dream want to help us? Well, to take a step back, and it's also a dream I uh, somewhere uh, uh, share in in, uh, in the book, but on a certain moment, I decided to ask the dream, what do you want to tell the readers about engaging with you? And so then in the dream, I am working at a company and there is a female, very competent and compassionate CEO who is very skilled. And uh, it is known that you can uh, ask the CEO a question if you want support and it's delighted to help you. And if you want to do it, figure it out on your own, you can also do that. And whether that takes two or three years. And I think that encapsulates the nature of the awareness that is in and behind the dream. 
and it's uh, excited to help, but there's completely free will. So if you don't want help or support, that's equally fine. And the larger awareness is so non-judgmental that it doesn't make a distinction. I think on our end, living in this world, which is rather complex and challenging by times, it's great to have this extremely kind, compassionate CEO to help us with our tasks or the larger awareness. And so we can help. And I think that that idea comes back also in almost any spiritual or religious tradition. Ask and you shall be given. In the Islam, it is thought that reaching out to Allah and asking for support is a form of devotion and, and worship. So there appears to be experientially in dream incubation, a awareness behind the dream that delights to help us when we reach out and ask for help. And we can reach out to help in any sort of shape we wish to. So, uh, you know, if you're not religious, don't worry because you don't have to believe. This could be coming from your unconscious, some of this material. We don't know where it comes from. I love the way in the book you call this the mystery and you don't try and define the mystery. No, exactly. And that's also the encouragement for people. If you have a spiritual vision, you can do that. If you want to call the mystery or the unconscious or even your brain, it still works. And at the beginning, at the end, I must also proclaim it's a mystery. I don't know. I can only say if you do this, this seems to be the case. And it's the same as you throw a, a rock in the air, it will come down. And that seems to be a law of nature. Okay. So how do you ask the dream for help? It uh, has a, a couple of steps in it. And in, in generally, first, you need to recognize that uh, there is something that you want help with. And it's a fairly uh, simple observation, but there are quite a lot of questions that we live, that we push away, that we actually don't want to really ask. Like, am I in the right job? Uh, is this the right relationship? Uh, am I living uh, in, in accordance with my purpose? Or how do I deal with this anger? So first you identify that there is an issue. The second step is that you look at phrasing the question in a way that is uh, formulated so that the dream can respond to you that you also will understand. Okay, well, in a second, we'll go through how we actually formulate the question. But just before we start on that, are there some questions that are good questions and some questions that are bad questions? So let's get the bad questions out of the way. What sort of things can't you ask the dream? Or you could ask, but you'll get rubbish answers back. Well, I want to encourage everyone always to figure out things for themselves. And it seems you can ask whatever you want, and sometimes you get a better effect than other times. But my experience has learned that questions that are good questions are questions that have to do with your life path or are emotionally relevant to you or help you to uh, be in service of other people. So a not good question would be something that doesn't truly interest me, like what did my neighbor have for dinner last night? It's not relevant to me and my life path, and so it doesn't get answered. So overly nosy about things that aren't relevant, overly conceptual, doesn't work well. Who's going to win the World Cup sort of type of questions as well. I, I mean, even if you're passionately interested in the World Cup, would that be a good question to ask or not? That's a great question. I explored that type of question for the reason to figure out, can the universe, the unconscious, even answer that? 
because mm. that would mean that the future is fixed. Is it fixed and to what extent is the future fixed? So people could ask that question and, and see what, uh, what happens. My experience has led me to believe that uh, uh, the future isn't fixed and is an ongoing creation. And uh, so on this moment, we can maybe look at the impulses or patterns that are set in, in place that are most likely to play out. Yet people can make all kinds of decisions that reorganizes or recreates even in five minutes and 10 minutes. So somewhat a prediction that will come probably come out is that we will be talking in five minutes. But uh, what uh, will happen in uh, tomorrow or even I ask questions at what is the headline of the New York Times in two weeks? It seems to have a heart or impossibility to predict that. And what you've also discovered is that the dream is much kinder to you if you've actually already done some work on this topic yourself. You've put the groundwork in. Totally. It's, uh, I've learned that the dream is actually uh, the most uh, competent coach we can find. And so the coach wants us uh, to learn and experiment and grow. And if we bypass that and just lean into the dream, say, hey, dream, give me the answer to uh, which school should I go to or what would be a good uh, this or that meal for me without first studying the schools or maybe doing some reading on, on, on learning about meals. It waits and it, it doesn't answer well. So the dream doesn't seem to nurture any form of codependence. So we need to do our work. And when we get stuck or we don't know anymore, that is the moment to go to the dream. So that's a great point that you picked out of it. Okay. So I think that possibly quite a lot of people listening at this precise moment are beginning to get some sort of sense of what area they want to ask about. So what I'm going to do is you've, when we're talking about asking a question, you break it down into six things to consider to get your question together. And what I will say to people is I have actually done this. I've put together a question and uh, we're going to go through my question later and see what the dream had to say for me. So I've been a sort of guinea pig for this. So, the first thing you say is use an open-ended question. Tell me about that. Yes, I'll go there. And let me just respond to one minute for the people that are sitting at home and want to go through this. So, if you're sitting at home and you already know your question, great. If not, ask yourself, what shall I ask? Or what would be good for me to know? And then just pick the first thing that your own unconscious pops up for you. And then go with that. And then maybe you have two or three others, write them down. There will be hopefully many more nights you can ask it. But that's a great way to just uh, play along when you're sitting at home and you want to ask a good question. So now that the people at home have what they need, open-ended. Yes, open-ended. And that is so important. This comes back to uh, uh, one, the notion of free will. So there is not a shoot. There's not a fixed future that you should live from this phenomenon inside. It, it doesn't show itself that way. So if you ask a question as, should I move to this place or should I be with this person? Technically, that's a yes and no question. And technically, that is, it won't answer that for you because you, it, it wants you to make that decision yourself. But how do you get the information for that decision is make it open-ended. 
So as a journalist, let me tell you, open-ended questions start with who, why, what, how. That's how you really want to start the question. How, what are two great starters. Yeah, what can I do to be a better journalist, a better dream worker, a better therapist, a better, what can I do in my work to improve? Or what does it look like for me to go to this city? So that is really open-ended. And then it will show an experience or an activity. And then you can look at, oh, how, how does this activity of experience fits in with the question? So yes, open-ended, really important. That is what it will answer. One, because it appears that the larger awareness gives you a lot of free will. There is no shoots. And it will answer in a, a story form or a dream form. And, and so even to figure out what a yes or no question will be is very difficult. It seems not to do that. Now, the next one is really obvious, but very tempting. I know I wanted to fail on this one, which is one question at a time. Yes, yes. Put constraint in there. Know that there will be many more nights. And the main reason for this is you will get a dream answer. Maybe it is I'm walking in a supermarket, I look for uh, ingredients and then I drive in a car and I drive through red light and then I turn into a street uh, where I see a beautiful woman. Now, if you get an answer like that and you asked uh, two or three questions such as, how is it for me to move to uh, New York and uh, what can I do to find a relationship? It's going to be very difficult to understand which part of that dream relates to which part of your question. And that is the main reason, one question at a time, so that you can understand the experience in the dream against the question that you ask. And when you hear my dream, you'll see there's a lot of material in it. So if we'd ask more than one question, it would be even more baffling. The next one, and I wonder if I actually have failed in this one, which is split bigger questions into smaller ones. That's the next piece of advice. So how could we split a bigger question into a smaller one? Help us understand how to do that. Some of our larger questions that we live in life is uh, maybe a vocational question or a relationship question are huge questions that have a lot of uh, sub-elements to it. So you could, uh, as an initial question, ask the, the larger question, but you will very quickly come to uh, sub-questions. If you take the concept of, of the, the importance of health, you could in general say, how can I live a more healthy life? And then the dream will show you something, but then it's already quickly, what can I do for my physical exercise? Uh, how can I do work with my diet? Uh, how can I deal with sleep? So you have all these sub-questions. And to give a practical example, recently there was a man who uh, had uh, been divorced, wanted to go back in dating, had been dating a bit, noticed that it didn't uh, flow so well. And he said, can I ask, how can I find a partner? That's a big question, isn't it? It's a great question. And many of us would love to have some support there. Then he, he pondered upon it and he thought, actually, what I even want to know more is what is my biggest obstacle in finding a partner, because when I solve that obstacle, I probably will be able to be with this partner. And uh, so he asked the question, what is my biggest obstacle in finding a partner? 
And that is a great question because it's one question at a time, but it's also, he made it, what is my biggest obstacle? So not even what are my obstacles? What is my biggest obstacle? And then another time you can say, once you know that, maybe how can I solve this obstacle? Or what's another obstacle that prevents me from finding a partner? And there you get all these sub-questions. That's yeah. what uh, I mean with it. I've got a good sub-question. What from the past is still holding me back? Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. So the next thing we need to do is we need to word the question precisely. Yes. And uh, in that, uh, just that example with the, uh, with the obstacle, it, w- it was a very precise way of, of saying, what is my main or what's my biggest obstacle? So this, you really put it down to one question and you uh, think about it uh, as what is my obstacle or is my biggest obstacle or what is my biggest obstacle right now? Because right now could be different than in general. And from the obstacles from the past that are still lingering on, for example. Yeah, yeah. What would be most beneficial for me to focus upon right now from the past that is lingering on? So you you make it really a sharp, focused question. Now, the next thing you do is choose how to address the dream. Tell me about that. I've uh, increasingly uh, learned how important that is. And because it has to do with intention setting, And intention, to make a little jump, intention setting is a co-creating principle in which the world responds. In the dream, if you're lucid, it's very easy to see. A lucid dream is any dream in which you know that you're dreaming, then you know that you're in a world, and your intention comes from the Latin word intendere and means reaching out. And by reaching out in the dream, for example, saying, dream, please show me something that is uh, uh, important for me to see. Or dream, please let me know if there's anyone with a message for me. You reach out to something behind the dream or in the dream to respond. And that is how an intention really works. And very often the intention gets easily confused and mixed with wanting. So I've been in the dream and I, I was like, I want to see a beautiful woman. Nothing happened. And I thought it was an intention, but it was my wanting. And my wanting doesn't co-create a dream reality or this reality. It it does, but not in the same way. If I yell out, dream, please show me a beautiful woman, the likelihood that that happens is very high because that's a real intention. And so because intention is a reality-creating principle in dream and in this reality, it helps by addressing the dream because then you reach out to something that is outside your little ego or your habitual self. And if you're religious or you have a particular faith system, you could ask some character or person that's responsible, or you could ask somebody from, I don't know, Greek myth or something who you feel might be particularly good with this. If you want help with something where you need to be you know, you need a power or persistence or strength, you might ask Hercules for advice sort of kind of thing. Yes. You can do that too, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And indeed, anything you could say, if you don't know the mystery, you could say the unconscious, but it, it is just this sense of I'm reaching out 
to something larger than me that probably knows better than me, or at least I'm going to test this. You don't need to be convinced that this works. Just test it and then the experience will come. So reaching out and naming it is so important because it focuses on the intention setting and that brings things uh, into reality. And finally, you need to verify that it's a well-formulated question. How do you do that? Take the question and then imagine, see if you can imagine a dream response. For example, shall I move to this city or what is my biggest obstacle in dating? Can I imagine a storyline that would show me my biggest obstacle? Because if I can imagine it, I know the dream will also be able to come up with a scenario. If I can't imagine an answer to uh, my question, it's very possible that the question is not, uh, is lacks one of the previous points in, in the formulation. So we've got our question. What do we do on dream night? On the dream night, we uh, engage in a ritual. And the best thing is to infuse the sense of ritual through all the steps. But ritual is really a way in which we reach out to the larger awareness, the mystery, let's call it the mystery, in order for it to respond. Or you might say, we put ourselves in a frequency in which we can receive an information. Or we grind this state of consciousness we're in right now in a way so that the dreaming consciousness can flow in. And a ritual is really set an intention, put the expectation out there, uh, show some uh, respect and gratitude, and spend some time as if you are addressing a wise counselor and just let it know, I would love to have support. And then you make a drawing, you do a dance, you light a candle, maybe a prayer. It doesn't even matter so much what you do, but more that you do it with a heartfelt intention, reaching out, showing some respect, and that all will build up your belief and expectation and intention, which are reality-creating principles, and that will therefore help to trigger a dream response that uh, is uh, helpful for you. You also recommend writing down the question as well. Have that beside your bed so you can look at it and remind yourself, and then you are 100% certain what is the question you asked, because trust me, you will sort of forget, you know, you'll sort of think you've yeah. got it right. But did I say all or did I say some? You know, those sort of kind of things might make a huge difference. Yes. And that's a great point. And also because the dream seems to answer your question. And so it's not somewhat answering it or answering a different question. It's answering your question. So if you don't know anymore, is it some or all? Did they ask, what can I do or how can I do it? Ugh. <laughs> so write it down, have it on a piece of paper beside you. You can sort of, I read mine three times. There's something sort of rather magical about reading it three times. I'll, I'll tell you about the sort of symbolic thing I did. And as I went to sleep, as you advised, I sort of meditated on the question a little bit. Now, I can imagine what some people are going to be saying. They're going to be saying things like, I can't remember my dreams or I don't dream. What do you say to that? No worries and no problem. Actually, scientific research shows we all dream each night, probably even uh, about two hours, somewhere between four and seven dreams. 
throughout uh, different periods. The reason that we don't remember our dreams is that our short-term memory goes offline at night. And therefore, we don't remember most things while asleep. But actually, the mind is still awake. It's having all these experiences, which we just don't uh, remember. And the way to remember it is have a pen and paper next to your bed. Most important, write down the dream upon waking because our short-term memory just kicks in when we get awake. And so it will evaporate. There's nothing to do with intelligence, willpower, but uh, write it down. Straight away, you know, that every moment you're looking for that pen and paper, more of the dream will be disappearing out of your brain. And yes. I'm in analysis, so I, I'm looking for dreams. And I must admit, I didn't really remember my dreams. But the minute you buy yourself a book and you keep it by your bed, it seems like you're giving a message to your dream that you are interested and you will remember. And that makes all the difference in the world. You know, buying that little notebook and make it a nice notebook, you know, it's going to give you some nice answers. So, you know, get a nice picture on the front of it, not an old rotten old exercise book you found at the bottom of the garden, sort of shed kind of thing. And that really does make a huge difference. I know it sounds weird, but from personal experience, you know, I went from somebody who could remember like one dream a year to having a couple of dreams a week that um, I will remember. I don't always have the desire to get out of bed and write it down. And sometimes if I think, oh, that's not very interesting, I won't bother. But I yeah. do try to do it because I think if you can't be bothered to get out of bed, I think the mystery is probably not going to be that thrilled to send you another one. So nine times out of 10, I, I do get up and write it down. And you go back to sleep quite quickly. So uh, don't worry about that. Beautiful, your experience. And I just want to say that's also my experience. And I've seen that with many people. And what I stood out for me is that that's showing interest. You show interest in the dreams. It's almost like it's relational. It will show up and, and give you more dreams and better dreams. And there starts to happening kind of a dance in which you get uh, help guidance uh, in your life. So yes, that's that's the key uh, point, uh, I think, that you uh, pointed out there. So what if you write down your dream, you do all of your ritual and you don't get a dream? It uh, could be different things. If it's uh, in response to a question, I do take no dream also as an, uh, as an answer. I think I just treat it radical, as if I'm visiting this wise counsellor and if it doesn't say anything, there's a purpose to it. Personally, I've developed the habit to ask it uh, three times if I really would like to know. That usually should work. I should say that um, the dream that I'm going to share in a moment came on the second night. Uh, I think yeah. I might have had a bit of performance anxiety the first night. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I sort of kept on thinking to myself, oh, God, the dream hasn't come yet. So I feel that um, I needed to sort of more relax. And on the second night, you know, I came, you'll find I got a, probably too much information. But, you know, the dream did come on the second night. So don't worry too much. Can we actually trust what advice the dream gives us? You know, could it be a I don't think this is necessarily the right word, but could a wicked demon come in and uh, mm -hmm. give, us, give us a bad steer? Well, once again, I think that people have to develop that and learn that for themselves. Yet my experience and my hypothesis is 
if you ask the larger awareness a question or the universe, it's not on purpose trying to trick you. It's uh, not uh, maleficent. It does want to help. So it, it will come and give you an, uh, an answer. You might not understand the answer and all those things, but I do not think that if you ask a question in this kind of sacred ritual that uh, you'll get uh, tricked or that it is possible for a trickster spirit or a demon to hijack that uh, connection that you have. One other piece of advice is you might not like the advice that you get, but that doesn't mean that you can't trust it. Okay, so so to sort of give you an idea of what you might end up with, I'm going to share my question, my ritual, my dream, and Mikhail is going to give me some help. And hopefully that will give you some sense of how to interpret your dream as well. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material and other benefits. Let me tell you about my Substack newsletter. I'd love the Meaningful Life listeners to subscribe. The newsletter is a mix of a relationship advice and my thoughts on building a meaningful life. Some of the topics we've covered recently is, so you've married a narcissist. I want space. How do you respond to that? Why sex disappears in long-term relationships? And we've also looked at other topics like um, shame and anger in the newsletter. If you'd like to be part of this, you can find everything at themeaningfullife.substack.com. So please do sign in. Details will also be in the show notes. And in there, there's also details of how to participate in the program. So my question was, what would my life be like if I invested all my money in a flat in Berlin? Now, is that a well-formed question? Or would you have, if I had asked you beforehand, would you have changed the question in any way? No, not. It, it, it's great. It's an open-ended question. It is uh, one question at a time. And I would uh, spend a little bit of time with you on exploring what is your intention in the question? What do you really want to know? Do you want to know whether this is a financially good uh, decision? Would you want to know, are you planning to live there or rent it out? Will you be happy there? Well, I'm planning to live in the flat. That's the first thing. And the second thing is I'm thinking about the quality of my life. You know, will it be a not just happy, but will it be a rich and fulfilling life? Because effectively, if you're putting money into a flat, you don't have the money disposable to, I don't know, go off on some course mm -hmm. necessarily. So you've got security of where to live against interesting experiences and personal development and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I did a ritual and I wanted to sort of symbolize it. So I thought if I would take all my money that I had in notes in my wallet, which in fact actually was about 10 euros, but I put it under my pillow. So that was to sort of in mm -hmm. some way turn it into something symbolic. So I actually put all the cash that I had at that moment under my pillow to symbolize it. So that's the sort of thing you're talking about when it comes to a ritual, isn't it? It is. And I love it. And it is indeed a symbolic representation. 
I take all the money that I have in my wallet, put it under uh, the pillow, indicating completely in line with the question. And somehow that kind of symbolic gesture pumps up the notion to the other side, the unconscious, that you want to know this. And it, it seems to respond on this exactly this type of, uh, of ritual. So my answer comes in three sections. I am not 100% certain they were in this order when I woke up, but they were in one section. Sometimes you can dream on more than one occasion during the night. Would I be right in believing that both sets of dreams, even if one was at three o'clock and one was at six o'clock, are both answers to the same question and should be written down? Yes, I take it that way. Right. So here are the three parts of my dream. How on earth they respond to this question, I have no idea, but Machiel is here to help me. So once again, the question is, what would my life be like if I invested all my money in a flat in Berlin? I'm talking to a friend, but the conversation is interrupted because he has to take a bus out of the depot. It seems I work for a bus company. There is a lot of waiting around. I'm a conductor and I'm not given any jobs. One of my colleagues is waiting naked. We are all bored. There is some talk of being given a bus to drive, but I've not been trained, so it's unlikely. I wonder when the friend will be back. So that's part one. Part two. I'm in a distant but beautiful land like South America. I'm travelling around. There's lots of incredible scenery, looking down into wide gorges, distant mountains. I have a series of images almost like I'm collecting pictures for a calendar. In one of them, a local man is hardly visible through an explosion of colourful butterflies. I discover I've been trying to raise money for a project that helps people in the UK who have problems with crystal meth, which is a form of drug. In the UK, there's an event where a former boss of mine gets up to announce what I've achieved, but she swallows her words and nobody understands because Dame Edna Everidge For people who are not from the UK, this is a famous comedian who dresses in women's clothes, has done a comedy walk across the stage. Wow. And here comes part three. There's a meeting at some sort of convalescence home and people in dressing gowns are trying to get the best seats where they can stretch out. There are two three-seater cities by the fire. These are occupied, but the occupants take their feet off the sofa so others can sit down. So my initial reaction was, I think I might have asked too big a question because I've just got so much material and it's all seems to be pulling in totally different directions. You know, I've got convalescence homes and boredom and I've got, I'm travelling the world, seeing colourful butterflies and Dame Edna Everidge is turning up in my dreams. These They feel very, very different. So, and most people's dreams, I think, will be as full of material as this. So how do you start interpreting it? I uh, would take uh, all the three segments as different uh, angles, uh, responses to your question. And then uh, I would also notice, like you, that, hey, there seems to be different experiences being portrayed here. So I would, would say this indicates there will be quite different experiences attached to this. So it's not one type of, oh, this will be enjoyable. Yet in segment one, I would ask the question, what is the experience? What I take out of it is waiting around, boredom, not finding a job. So part of the house 
this will be a most likely experience. I don't know, what did you take out of segment one as the type of experience? Well, to be perfectly honest, I just recorded it, wrote it down and thought, hmm, boredom doesn't look particularly good. And I didn't really go into it any further because I went back to bed, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, I'd almost forgotten what was in it until I came and read it out to you again. So I, you know, I want to be entirely open and fresh with you on it. Yes, great. So somehow boredom is an experience that the dream portrays that uh, putting all your money in it uh, will be part of it. And naturally can then later on think, well, is there a way that I can engage with this boredom or what can I do about the boredom? What you clearly see is that the dream doesn't say, oh, yes, you should buy it or you shouldn't buy it. It starts portraying what uh, the most likely experiences are in this moment in time. And even those experiences, you can you can start thinking of, can I do something with this or not? But boredom is one. And then the second one, the interesting thing is, it's pretty different than boredom. You're, you're traveling in South America, have experiences, it's colorful. It seems worthwhile. I'm doing something for a charity of some description. Yes. And uh, the last one is your achievements are being announced, but it doesn't get through because something else happens. And so uh, some lack of recognition in your achievements. Yep. And so those three uh, aspects are, if you are, are also part of the richer experience that you will have when you put all your money there. You will be uh, working with images and beautiful images in some form and fashion. You might uh, do some uh, some charity work or you're helping people or you might help people with addictions or something like that uh, seems to be a potential part of it and not being completely recognized. I think it's more not, it's not, I don't think it's actually saying you won't be entirely recognized. I think it's saying don't be too attached to being recognized because, you know, uh, you've got this joker figure that's coming along and saying, nah, 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 to your achievements. Because, you know, ultimately in the greater scheme of things, it's very easy to get too attached to our own greatness, really, isn't it? And here we have the jester coming along like you'd have in a court, don't you? That the the job of the jester was to tell the king he's got no clothes, so to speak. And Dame Edna walking across the stage and pulling focus when somebody's about to say how great I am is a sort of jester, really, isn't it? I don't think it's that you won't be recognised, but don't get too attached to your achievements. That sounds like a better take on it. And then you can think about... Uh, how to relate to that. So if you take those two dreams, it appears there are moments of boredom and there appears to be moments of full engagement where life is really beautiful and colorful and you're serving people and that you can reimagine this sense of what what it means to do all these things. But then there's the third part, which is the sort of convalescence home where yeah. we're sitting on the sofa. I don't know if this is this is further down the line. It's a good place when you're old and sick. <laughs> what, what are your associations to a convalescence home? A, a convalescence home is somewhere you go after you've had an illness. So, you know, the, this yeah. feels like old age or what's it? Buddha talks about the divine messengers. Illness, old age, and death sort of um, 
and poverty, I think, is another one as well. But these are those sort of kind of messengers, isn't it? It's actually saying everybody gets ill. So I took it as that it would be a place where you could also be cosy. Yeah, that is a, a bit of question that I, that I have for you, what the association, because when I read it, I thought, oh, it's like convalescence could also be a place of healing. Mm-hmm. And so would it be a place of healing or is it something different? Because a place of healing would be a great place, whereas yeah. maybe... Yeah, and no, I hadn't thought of it like that. I'm possibly a little bit too dark. It's doing this podcast all the time, you know, where you talk <laughs> about the difficult subjects. So unfortunately, yeah. we talk about death a lot on this podcast. So I'm afraid that's where my mind goes. But yes, you're right. It is about healing too. Yeah. And so then you have, let's let's say that it's a place of healing, a place where you have colorful experiences and serving others. And there's a fair amount of boredom also tied into it. Boredom comes into every life, doesn't it? And I, I think there's also a feeling of, of not being properly prepared. So there, you know, I could be out driving, but I haven't had the training. So yeah. maybe the dream is saying there are some things that I need to train to do. And yes. I'll have to sort of think about what those might be. So you could ask a follow-up question in which you ask the question, dream, thank you so much for providing these three dream uh, segments. I take the first part as if there will be boredom and, and not being completely prepared. Dream, what can I do to be fully prepared for that situation? Or is there anything that I can do to engage boredom in a better way? Because very often engaging the boredom is actually the key through and out of boredom. Because what we normally do with boredom is we get out our phones and scroll down our messages. And there might be a better way of dealing with boredom than that. So that's a great question. Well, thank you very much for being a witness on The Meaningful Life. I have to ask you the question, what makes your life meaningful? I've noticed that my uh, life takes on uh, especially uh, a sense of meaning if I feel that I'm in alignment with my uh, uh, either my qualities, my say my gifts or my wounds, and that I either find a way to appropriately engage with my woundings or find a way to deliver my gift to other people, whether it's a small delivery or a larger delivery of the gift. That doesn't really matter for the sense of meaning, just being having the sense of serving larger than myself. So serving something larger than myself gives meaning to my life. Unfortunately, this is where we're going to have to end the conversation unless you are a supporter of The Meaningful Life. Because if you're a supporter um, and you can uh, subscribe through Apple or Spotify directly, if you listen on another platform, you can go to my Patreon page and support. You get to hear the bonus material. And we're going to be looking more at how to interpret your dreams. We'll be looking at four techniques that you can use that will help you interpret your dreams. And we will also be looking at the three things Machiel knows deep down to be true. If you'd like to listen to that conversation, here are the details. You've been listening to The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. You can follow Andrew on Twitter, like him on Facebook, and please leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts. Making, editing, and distributing The Meaningful Life comes with substantial costs, and we'd like to ask for your help. 
Visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material for every program, send in a letter to be discussed by Andrew and his guests, and join a community of other people seeking to make their life meaningful. At the gold level, you get even more benefits. Production of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall is by Michael Dooney. Social media by Madeleine Healy. Sound engineering and theme tune by Sebastian de la Luz Mendoza. And I'm Susie Colick. Please tell your friends and spread the word. Thank you.